most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Well, hello there Who's the cutest Canadian in this room? I am That's right <laughs> How are you, baby girl? I'm good, how are you? I am fantastique Fantastique As you say in the French-speaking part of Canada Okay How come you don't speak French? Have we covered that in the podcast? Um, I mean, you grew up in a nation that is literally bilingual. Everything is in French and English. It's true. And yet you didn't pick any of it up? Well, I can understand quite a bit of it. Like if I'm hearing a conversation, I can probably understand most of the conversation. Hmm. But I can't actually speak it. Like I didn't retain the words to go, oh, yes, I say this for this. And I think uh, the deal for me was in uh, high school, I had dyslexia. And so you were having a hard enough time with English. I was English. having a hard enough time. And the Lord healed me of that, which was amazing. Um, but not in time for me to not hate French. I, I, so <laughs> I just love French. I wish I spoke it better. I drive everybody who does speak French nuts because I insist on trying to speak to them in French. And I, I basically butcher the language. But I, I, it's a beautiful language. I think you do pretty well. I think but also... You don't speak French, so you have no idea how badly I'm doing. Okay. Well, I have heard people speak French for the majority of my life. Okay, touche. Um, and my aunt lived in France and my uncle was French. So I did hear a lot You know what? I, French. I consider I, I've been put down. Okay. You, you made your point. Yeah. But I also think, you know how teachers really matter in what you end up liking? We. Oui. I don't think I ever had a French teacher that wasn't mean as a snake. <laughs> so it seemed like all the way through school, whenever you'd go to French, you'd just get the people that didn't seem to be friendly, or at least I did. So I think I just, as soon as I could drop French and I didn't have to take it, I dropped it. All right. Good sidebar yeah, on there French. There you go. You started this week at m teaching on something I thought I was going to be bored to tears on. No offense. Thanks. Because your whole thing <laughs> was lessons from gardening with God or something equally as cheesy. And I was it like, was. I was, was like, what? <laughs> but it was actually amazing. I don't say actually like you surprised me that you were good. Right. I, when you were sharing with me what you're going to be talking about, I was like, Really? <laughs> but it, there was some profound stuff in there. Thank you. All the stuff you're learning from gardening. I Yeah, I'm learning so much stuff. And you genuinely are enjoying gardening. I really am. It's so weird. And it's so funny because I totally judge my mother as, like, growing up, I was like, why do you like gardening? Like, just go to the grocery store, you know, get over it. But... um there's something about it being the stuff that you grew and it tastes so much better, which I never knew, but it really does. And no word of a lie. We would easily spend, this is embarrassing, how much would we spend just on fresh herbs from Whole Foods? Every time you'd go to Whole Foods and you'd pick up a little box of basil, how much well, would that cost? because it wouldn't just be basil. I'd be buying cilantro. I mean, I use a lot of fresh herbs because I cook most things from scratch. So right. I would say at least $10 every time we go. So... Not unusual to spend $30 in a week on herbs. Oh, yeah. And Easy. now you get it all for free. Yeah, it's all growing in my garden, in my pots and in my... And then like just we go through tomatoes like a crazy person. I haven't had to buy tomatoes in probably a month. I've been eating those cherry tomatoes like candy. Oh, they're so good. They are. Yeah. And it's it's been fun. It really has been like... It's like I, I do something and I'm... You know, I'm... We're lucky. We have neighbors that help us with... Share your faux pas. A million things. Oh, I should. I totally should. Um, but we have the most wonderful of neighbors. And uh, Deidre comes over and grants me wisdom on what to do and things like that. And then what we can't figure out together, the Holy Spirit is great at saying, hey, do this. Hey, do that. And then after I've done this or that, you know, 
I'll find out from somebody, oh yeah, that was exactly the right thing to do. So it's really fun. It's really, really fun. Um, you want me to tell my faux pas? Yeah. Walk in the light. Well, so here's the deal. Uh, the first sort of month of having the garden, um, I was having to go out and weed it a lot. And, and we should clarify when you say garden, because in, in Britain, what we would call our backyard would be our garden. Right. In America, like we have a large grassy area with trees and bushes and shrubs. That's not our garden. They no. would call that your backyard or your lawn. But on the lawn, you have raised gardens. I have three raised gardens. They're four by eight each, if you know if that matters to anybody. Um, so I have three kind of large raised gardens. And I planted... Um, you know, a bunch of tomato plants and some watermelon and zucchini and stuff like that. Most of which was given to me by friends because I thought I've never gardened before. And so I don't want to spend a whole bunch of money on plants if I'm going to kill them. So I didn't really buy very many plants. I just planted like little, what looked like, are these actually going to become a plant? They look so small and, and, you know, tiny. Anyway, so um, they grew and now I have an overgrowing garden. You were telling us about the faux pas. Ah, yes, the faux pas. So the faux pas was, um, when I first planted the garden, I was doing a lot of weeding and finding a lot of grass coming up and that kind of stuff. And so I was having to go out there for like, you know, maybe a couple hours a week and, and pull stuff out. And, uh, I ended up having this conversation with Deidre about, I think I'm going to end up with tons of tomatoes and cucumbers and zucchini and stuff. So go ahead and take anything, you know, um, and she said, oh, well, you know, we'll weed for food. And I went, ha, ha, ha. Well, so fast forward, life gets really busy. Your dad passes away. I lose track of, you know, sort of what's going on. Sure. And I realize, like, I go down to check my garden after like a week or two. And I'm like, wow, it's amazing. Like, there's no weeds. And so I thought to myself, oh, I guess as the plants get bigger, the weeds don't bother anymore. Or, you know, I don't know. I kind of thought I'd. I had a self-weeding garden or something. I don't know. And then, so I said something to Deidre one day. I was like, yeah, I can't even believe like the weeds were so bad before. And now there's like no weeds. And she was just really gracious. She just smiled at me and she's like, well, I do weed your garden like a couple times a week. And I was like, because <gasps> so. she gets up super early and she comes does. over in the cool of the day yeah. and, and apparently has been weeding. <laughs> she's been weeding it. And, and so I was like, oh, and then, you know, especially with my back out and stuff, I was like, gosh, if she hadn't been doing that, I would have, I would have a garden of weeds. I wouldn't have any vegetables. Um, yeah. So we're blessed. Right. If you want to find all the spiritual lessons AJ's been learning from gardening, and there are plenty, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to your message on, from Monday night. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was, it was really, really good. Good. Thanks, babe. This week we were back to work, kind of with a bang. Yes. Nothing interesting other than meetings, meetings, lots of meetings. And more meetings. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit later because we'll talk about meetings later. Saturday was cleanup day. It was. We had some friends come over. Yes. You tackled the what pantry. Do you call it? The pantry. Yeah. Me and Ben tackled the garage. Yeah. Or garage, as we say in Scotland. I'm super self conscious. When I'm on the podcast and I use American words, I'm not, I'm not self-conscious any other time, but when I'm on the podcast, I realize garage isn't something I'd never say. Do you know the word I'm having trouble with at the moment? What? Mature. So I was speaking this morning at church and sometimes I pronounce it mature. Sometimes I pronounce it mature. 
Yeah. Uh, the, like a t or a ch, and I can't remember which one is which. Well, I can't remember which one is right in terms of herb or herb, because I think it's... Americans say herbs. Right. They just make it a silent H. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I feel like it's cruel to overlook a consonant, so I'm it, a herb. It, it is kind of cruel. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, we cleaned up, and then, as a reward for our friends who helped us clean up, we made, without any sense of hyperbole, the best meal I think I've ever eaten. Really? Not the best meal. The most flavorful meal. It was really I good. I have ever eaten. Yeah. So when Gary and Sarah, our friend from Australia, were here in May, they said, guys, guys, we need to buy you something for your grill. And they bought us something called the Weber Chicken Infuser and Roaster, which sounds as awesome as it actually is. Basically, mm. it's a, a mm, I don't know, is it? It's metal, isn't it? With yeah, nonstick porcelain ceiling or something yeah, on it. Yeah. But it's basically a big tray with a big spike in the middle. The spike lifts off, revealing a reservoir. And you fill up that reservoir with all sorts of goodies. You put the spike on top, you put a chicken on top of that, and you just shove it on the grill and leave it for about an hour, hour and a half, somewhere yes. in there. Yeah. And when you come back, you've got the most amazing, delicious roast oh, chicken. Unbelievable chicken. So we've been playing around with that. Yes. And on Saturday, I, I think I hit the jackpot. You did. You did very well. We put garlic, lemon, white wine, red chili flakes in the reservoir. Yeah. Shoved the chicken on top, covered it in oil, salt, pepper, garlic, and a little bit of cayenne pepper. Mm -hmm. Shoved that on for about an hour and 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. When it came off, we, I'd misjudged the timing. Do you like the way I correct that from we to I? Mm. And... So that it wouldn't go cold, we just wrapped the, the whole thing in foil and then wrapped that in a towel, which, unbeknownst to us, made that chicken super succulent. It was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Meanwhile, you made some roast potatoes. Crispy roast potatoes. And I put some corn on the grill. Yep. Just straighten our husks. Came off, sliced the corn off, butter, and more cayenne pepper. Yes. Well, you can never have too much cayenne. You actually can. Yes. Well, that's true. <laughs> it's when but it was, there when was you're only... choking on the ground and trying to breathe for air, that's too much. So there wasn't that much cayenne because the kids ate it mm -hmm. and they didn't notice that it was spicy. Right. But then the pièce de résistance yes. was the gravy that you made. Yeah. I have a gravy gift. Do you have a gravy anointing? It's true. Parking anointing gravy. That's it. I. That's it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I, I don't know how to get out of this, so let's move on. So you made this gravy. Yeah. But you put all three of those things together, the chicken, the roast potatoes, and the corn with the gravy. Oh, it the was gravy. a collage of flavors unlike anything I've had before. Seriously, I, I struggled because I was like, I am full. I don't need any more food. But the problem is I need something to put gravy on because the gravy was just... It was just... Magical. I know. What am I going to do this week with no gravy? What am I going to do? Last time well, I tried to make gravy, <laughs> me and Kate turned it into wallpaper paste. <laughs> I'll give you lessons next time. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Okay. And that was it. That was our week. Except that you spoke on Sunday. Yes, I spoke this morning on our Fivefold Ministry series. Yeah, I, it's I so enjoyed. so good, babe. Thanks. You're so good at oh, taking stop. things Go that on, are... <laughs> You're you're good at taking things that could be even controversial, but you know, confusing or whatever, and just making them plain. I love it. I love it when you teach. Thank you, babe. You're That's welcome. very sweet. All right, our topic for this week. Yes, it's so funny. I sat down tonight to write our topics for this week, and I had about four topics, and I realized oh, we've already covered this topic. 
But then I realized, you know what? We've got more revelation on these topics. So, And pretty much on this podcast, what are we up to? What episode are we on? No idea. This is our 159th episode. Wow. We only know so much, folks. We are going to repeat topics. <laughs> yeah. Babe, we're way past the 10. I thought we'd get stopped at. <laughs> is that all you thought you'd do? I was like, yeah, I thought, well, I could see us maybe doing 10. I didn't oh, know what we would talk about. Well, here we are revisiting a topic, and I don't feel bad about it, but we're going to be talking about work-life balance. Yeah. In part, because we had some great conversations with somebody we're going to talk about in a minute. I, I think the simplest way to have a great work-life balance is to have a pace that is life to you. Yes. Because if you try and keep up with somebody else's schedule, doing what they do, and you're not built for that schedule, you will either burn out or be bored. Right. So everybody has a threshold of, you know, what gives them life. Yeah. Our our neighbor, two doors down, how often does he work out in the gym? Oh, every day. I'm pretty sure for hours every day. Right. I just, I have no grid for that. Right. And then I've got other friends who, you know, get up super early and are spending time with the Lord from like 3 a.m. I'm just like, I can't do that either. So the trick is, I think, finding something that's proper pace for you. Yeah. Some people have a really, really high bandwidth, can accommodate loads, and they're not intimidated by it. Other people are much smaller. And by the way, that changes through life. Mm-hmm. Having it, kids expands your bandwidth. Have it, you noticed that? It sure does. And I think different things um, are a different level of spend. Do you know what I mean? Do so you think like, that varies from person to person? Yeah, I totally do. I think some people have a greater capacity for things that are potentially very emotional or, you know, which I might find draining, but other people might find, oh, this is life, you know, right. where, where I might find something, you know, I was going to say insular, but that's not really what I mean. Like I might find study or something like that life where somebody else might find that completely draining. Yeah. So I think you find you you have different bandwidths in different areas as well. I forget who told us this story. Maybe it was Lyle. It might have been the Robinsons. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sorry, guys. I'm 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 thinking out loud here. <laughs> but it was a conversation between Heidi and a team out of the Iris space. And for those of you who know Heidi Baker, um, she just works incredibly hard. I look at Heidi's schedule and just think, no, no, I don't know how you do it. And somebody, I think they were having like a staff session and asking about rest and asking about this and, you know, how do you, are you doing too much? Or, you know, how do your staff cope around you? Do they feel like, that you know, they have to run at your schedule? And Heidi said this great thing. She said, I won't judge you for resting if you won't judge me for working. And it comes back to, it's very, very difficult to put yourself in somebody else's shoes without being them. Right. Like my mum, for example... Would, would always have a house full on Sunday. I mean, always, easily, 20-plus people in our house, cook for them, never intimidated, would host them really, really well, two meals, lunch and dinner, oh, just walking the park, loved it. Right. My dad, for example, trying to do it. I mean, my dad, God bless him, you know, he would burn water while trying to make a boiled egg. You know, so, <laughs> again, me putting together a sermon last minute, you know, that's right. fine. It doesn't stress me out at all. Yeah. I remember when we teach our first year students, hey, you're going to put together a sermon. They're like, wait, what are we going to do right. in two weeks time? Are you kidding me? So again, it's experience. Do you think that we're good at a work-life balance? Not really. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think that we are. It's just that I notice that, you know, unless I'm super intentional, um, with Fridays and Saturdays, I can easily get sucked into things 
that it has nothing to do with my kids or with us or with resting or with fun or any of the things that a day off should right. be about. Typically, well, part of the problem is we really love our work. Yeah. And then when we're not working for Grace Center, like recording this podcast, is this work? It's not work for Grace Center. No. It does occupy an enormous amount of time. I mean, me and you sitting here doesn't take a long time, but after we finish recording this, the amount of time it takes to edit, you know, upload, write the show notes, all that, it, that's four or five hours worth of work a week. Right. So that's not work, but we get it done. Yeah. Same with housework. So, you know, and the, well, let's leave housework for a side, but there's a lot of stuff that we do on the side that is so closely similar to what we do for paid employment that those edges become blurry really, really quickly. Yeah, they really can. I would say we're historically not very good at this because our work is tremendous source of joy for us. We tend to, or at least I tend to work until I collapse. Yeah. So I'm actually trying to get better at that. Yeah. And our staff are really good. Jeff's really good. Um, Danielle Helson, who's our chief administrator, um, basically our head honcho and is running our HR efforts at Gray Center. She's so diligent in being on and off. Like she, I greatly admire the way she manages that. And and part of her training that she's been doing at church is like, hey guys, I want to help set a culture at Gray Center to help us increase our work-life balance. Right. And Part of that is, you know, we're migrating away from the back-end software that we use to run all of our back-office stuff at Gray Center. And as we're setting everything up, she's like, hey, here's some best practice stuff. So as we're rolling out this new system, Danielle was like, hey, I'm going to really encourage you for a number of reasons to separate your work and your personal email. Yeah. And, and she's not meaning just, you know, how you can open up whatever mail app you have and you can have like work and you can have personal as just separate accounts. She was saying use completely different apps. And she was saying, on a Saturday, when you're checking your personal email, the last thing you need to see, even if you have no intention of addressing it, is a work email come in, because then it's in your consciousness. Yeah, then you have to hooked. think about it exactly. Yeah. And we'd been doing, or at least I'd been doing that for a while, two two separate apps. But it's just so much habit for me. I think we can get addicted to stimulus. Yeah, I mean, I actually hadn't been doing that. So to begin with, I was a little annoyed. Like I was like, I don't need that. Um, but actually. <laughs> It's super, super helpful. So I, I was like, you know, having them in in the two different apps and having the work account just, you know, whatever, Sunday to Thursday, I, I realized I didn't get hooked at all on Friday or Saturday into work stuff. And typically I do. Like typically I see a work one and I, and I don't just sort of pass it over. I just read it in case it's something I need to know for Sunday or something, you know. So um, as much as I was a bit, annoyed with the thought of having two different apps. It's actually helping me a lot not be stressed out of my days off, which was her whole point. Which is great. Yeah. The funny thing with calendars is that doesn't work as well. No. You you can't, I mean, you don't get me wrong, we have separate calendars for work events and our personal events, but you really need to see both those events on the same calendar. Yes. But we use an app called Fantastical, which I highly recommend. And you can set up groupings of, you know, which calendars you want them to show. So I've created like a custom Jones group, which includes my events at work, your events at work, and then our personal events 
so that I can effectively see when I'm really free. Because if I just look at my work events, that doesn't include dental appointments for the kids or PTA meetings or, you know, any of those sorts of things. <laughs> As if we go to PTA meetings. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was the first thing that evolved in my head. It was good, baby. Thank it, you. It made us seem very parental or something. <laughs> School spirit. Yay! Um, can you fix my fantastical then? Oh, baby, I can't. I, uh, we actually need to carve out some time for me to fix everything on your computer. We really do. Because like, you're like, it should do this, and it doesn't. It should do that. It doesn't. Yeah. It needs you. God bless you. You have a nerd living with you, but, you know, yeah. I never get around to my I nerdery. Know. I don't get tech support really at home. It's very sad. Um, talk to me about some other tips for work-life balance. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, we talked a little bit about guarding your day off. Mm-hmm. Um, or your days off. And um, for us, we, because the kids, when the kids are in school on Fridays, it's just MJ at home and then, and the girls are at school. And then Saturday, of course, is the only day that we have that we're not working that the girls are home. So Saturday's family day. It's a day to do something fun with them and, you know, whatever. Friday, we get a little bit more of a break because it's just mugs. But here's the thing. I find if I don't rest on the Friday, I have no energy for the Saturday. Yeah. And historically, Friday as my day off has really allowed me to do all the stuff I didn't get to do before. Again, I'm falling into the trap of, oh, yeah, no, I can do that on Friday. And there's times when that's fine, which we'll come to in a moment. There's t- uh, but at the moment, I'm trying this new thing, speared on by um, Danielle, where I realized, actually, I can delegate a bunch of stuff during the week. I can say no to stuff during the week, so I can say yes to having a day off. So, for example, we go to a lot of meetings together, and I realized, actually, I don't need to be at all the meetings that we both go to, because if I say yes to being at that meeting, I'm saying no to getting some of this work done, which means I'm going to have to do it on my day off. Or I can just be powerful and guard my day off and split up some of the work responsibilities that we have. Right. And that works for some stuff, for sure. I think for me... Like Friday would be the most natural day to do a day off because only one kid's at home rather than three. But by the time we get to Friday, we have no clothes left and the house usually is an absolute disaster. And when the house isn't clean, I don't feel like I'm having a day off. Right. So let's talk about that. The importance of eliminating stressors. Yeah. Because we have done, I am very proud of us, baby. We have done a very good job the last two weeks of keeping our house pretty clean. Yes. And that involves us blitzing it, getting it clean, and then staying on top of it and having some sort of system to ensure it stays like that. Yeah. Which, for everybody listening, it, this is not complicated. This is just being like a grown-up and picking up after yourself. Right. <laughs> Which we don't tend it's, to be good at. No, it just tends to be energy-dependent, doesn't it? It's right. like you get to the end of the day, and it's like, well, I'm glad I spent energy with the kids and I'm glad I spent energy at work, but now I have no energy left and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, gosh, this one needs to get done, but I've got nothing left. Right. Um, But it's easier to keep a clean house clean than it is to keep a dirty house clean. I can't believe I thought that was profound. Yes. Well, to get a dirty house clean for sure. Yes. Um, But I'm just realizing we probably need some kind of system which we haven't managed to figure out yet when we go into the school being on because then life ramps up even more. Right. So. I think part of the important part is prioritizing no. Realizing you just can't do everything. 
Yeah. Your time and your energy is like money. You know, if you've got a hundred bucks in your pocket and it's yours to spend and there's three things you want to do and all of them cost a hundred dollars, you can't do all three. You have to pick one of them. Right. But at some point you have to wash your underwear and socks or you end up like we did this summer at one point where I was like, eh, I'll just buy more socks and underwear. The kids will be fine because <laughs> we just didn't have time. And I was like, Walmart, I love you. <laughs> So, you know. Oh, shame-free living. You heard it here first. <laughs> it's pretty scary. What about sleep? Um, I think I think sometimes we do great at staying on track with getting enough sleep so that we have energy for the next day. And sometimes we do less great. Well, it, it, you, you fool yourself into thinking, I've worked really hard today. I just want to unwind. Going to sleep doesn't feel like unwinding. So I'll just stay up and I'll watch another episode of this thing on Netflix. And, right. and before you know it, it's 11 p.m. You're rolling into bed and you're thinking, I'll just check Instagram. And then before you know it, it's like 11.30, 11.40. Right. And you're Midnight. like, I should have been in bed like an hour ago. Yeah. Because it's true. You know, a good day starts with a great night of sleep. Yeah. And we sabotage ourselves by, you know, we're not setting ourselves up for success by not doing the little things throughout the day that produce great dividends. Right. And there's even medical uh, stuff to support that. You may remember better what it's called, babe, but the whole thing about how your mind washes itself after a certain amount of sleep. Oh, yeah. And it dumps all of the stress. Your mind doesn't have a connection to yeah, the your lymph brain. system. Your That's brain right. doesn't. And so it actually needs a certain amount of sleep in order for it to dump all the toxins, if you will, uh, out so that you can de-stress. So it makes sense that if you are not getting a, a good amount of sleep, but you're always pushing it and only getting five or six or whatever, you're actually collecting stress in your actual brain. Yeah, I'll put a link to that. It was a TED Med talk that was fascinating. It's really cool, wasn't Really it? amazing. Yeah. I mean, I remember Dr. Josh saying, you need about nine hours worth of sleep for your body to restore at night. And that's for it to... That's for you to recover from sickness, but also to basically not get sickness. When sickness is going around, if you were getting nine hours of sleep at night, very likely you wouldn't get it. When was the last time me and you got nine hours of sleep? I, I can't remember a time, but I, I, we aim, for, try I aim for eight, which I'm not doing great at either. You want to try nine? Yeah, I think it'd be great. Okay. Let's challenge ourselves. Not this week, because this week's crazy. <laughs> But, but the that next was, week. That was classic. Okay. Next week. Gotcha. Okay. This is what you call an addiction cycle. <laughs> this is like denial of a problem. I mean, not this oh, yeah, week. We'll do it next, week. Wait, next week's gonna be less crazy for sure. Oh yeah. I'll yeah, diet. Yeah. I'll diet tomorrow. Yeah. It'll be fine. I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm gonna start working out tomorrow. Um one question that's good to ask yourself is is the current pace of life that I have a season? Or is this my life? It's so important you understand times and seasons. Because, for example, remember when you were in college and you had your finals and, you know, for those six weeks of exams, all you do is eat, sleep and prepare for an exam. Yes. And sometimes you do less of the eating and the sleeping. <laughs> right. All right. And everybody gives you grace to do that because they're your finals. So your social life goes out the calendar. Perhaps you stop going to the gym as much. Perhaps you're eating worse because you're just trying to, have, you know cram stuff in right and that's fine it's a bit like when we were moving house you know your house is in boxes right so you're eating stuff you wouldn't normally you're eat eating taco you're bell eating fast food you know you've got to get past your on less sleep i think that's fine there's there's seasons of life maybe there's deadlines at work where you're just you know cramming to get a sales bid into a customer whatever 
But if your life every week is that level of intensity, you're going to burn out real quick. Yeah, for sure. But there's times of having grace. Like the first year that we ran year two, we just realized we needed to just take a deep breath, suck it up, and just power down. And in doing all that work, it's made the subsequent years way, way, way easier because all the work is done and you're now refining and tweaking rather than building as you go. It's almost fun those seasons, isn't it? Building a plane while it's taking off on the runway. It's funny because I love to build. That's one of the things that's my favorite thing to do, but it's definitely, it definitely costs you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us this week, what are your top tips for work-life balance that we completely missed out on and we'd love to share them with our listeners? Hey, speaking of listeners, don't yes. we have listeners' questions? Oh, baby, we do. Okay. I've got two for you. Oh, good. Well, the first one's for me. Would you want me to ask you the sure. first one then? Since ask it's me. Okay. This is from Laura, and she says, uh, you do a lot of teaching on the five-fold ministry. I was wondering if there was any recommended reading for figuring out what an evangelist is. Yes-ish. Uh, I could tell you in a nutshell, and obviously an evangelist is a person who has a burning passion for the lost. They love to be among the lost. They're less likely to want to be in church. They're more likely to be itinerant, and their whole goal is on seeing the lost saved and training up other people and inspiring them to save other people. One of the best books I read on all of this is called The Complete Wineskin by Harold Eberly. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's not about evangelism or evangelists per se, but it does cover evangelists. It more covers the whole of the fivefold that you were talking about. And if that sounds interesting to you, I am currently teaching a three-part series at Grace Center. Again, I'll put links to the sessions I've taught so far in the show notes. Are you ready for your question? I think I am. This is from Hillary. Okay. Hillary says, we have a new baby, congratulations, and a two-year-old. And our two-year-old is having a hard time adjusting to being a family of four. She is in no way taking out on the baby, but is throwing a lot of temper tantrums. How did you guys handle going from a family of three to a family of four? Oh, wow. Uh, We, I mean, one of the things that we did was... uh, and it's probably too late for this because you've already brought the newborn home, but maybe you could. Uh, we actually brought our two-year-old a gift from our newborn. We were like, hey, she was, you know, Tia was so excited to meet you, Abigail. She wanted to get you a gift. And so we got you an, you know, she got you an Elmo or whatever. And so for some reason that like right away made uh, Abby really happy to have Tia home because she was a baby that gave gifts. <laughs> Um, but I mean, being two is just a tough season anyway. There's a reason that they call it the terrible twos. Um, you know, twos at two years old, you're, you're learning basic trust. You're learning that, um, you're learning your nose. You're learning when it's okay to say no and when it isn't okay to say no. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it's just a tough learning curve. You're, you're getting language, but you don't have enough language to express correctly what you're feeling. Yep. Um, so I, I've always just found that season just really um, hard for the kids and really trying to be um, patient and realize they they have difficulty because they can't express their frustration. Yeah. Um, so they just sort of need a bit more grace. Having said that, uh, we... we we didn't really go for the kids having tantra tantrums. So we would sort of do the, the thing of, um, Oh, wow. Well, you, you know, you can choose to do that, 
but you need to choose to do that in your bedroom. You know, you can choose to throw down as it were, but you can choose to do that in your bedroom or on the think about it stair. And when you're ready to talk, we want to talk to you. You know, why don't you come over and talk when you're ready or whatever. So not trying to control them in terms of you're not allowed to do that because part of that is good luck with that. Right. Um, but just saying, oh, well, actually, that's not behavior that we're we're going to go for. But then also um, being really um, careful not to overreact to tenter tantrums. Temp- what? The, I love the way you're saying temper tantrums. I know. I keep I keep getting stuck. Tenter tantrums. Also being really careful to not overreact to temper tantrums and therefore give them attention. But but look for the things that you can give them a lot of positive attention on just in case the temper tantrums are actually, I want attention and I think this is the only way I can get it. Right. Yeah. It might have nothing to do with a newborn baby at all. Like, like you were saying. Twos are tough. We, and it, we should point out twos are tough for them. They yeah. don't have to be tough for, for you. So yeah. when we're saying, you know, it's, it's hard, we're talking about it's hard for them because it is difficult, you know, there there all the reasons you just said. Yeah. But we found that when we removed uh just like a fire needs oxygen, we found that when you remove an audience from a temper tantrum, they lose interest in throwing that. Yeah. So if you don't already have a think about it step, we just use the bottom stair of our staircase. Yeah. And we would just say, Oh, oh buddy, we, we, we don't do that. If you want to do that, then you, you can sit on the step and do that. But we'll be over here. And when you'd like to behave well, come back in. And we, we try to remove the the naughtiness from that because they really are learning, oh, look, when I throw down, I get attention. Yeah. And so we just started looking for good behavior to focus on attention on. Yeah. And we would say, you know, we're not mad at you. We understand you probably feel frustrated. Can you tell us what's happening? But again, when they're two, they don't usually have the language for that. So you just kind of have to help them work it through, but not give them the the... Um, attention for the negative mm-hmm. behavior. This too shall pass. The key phrase for many stages of parenting. And having said that, like I know said, I said terrible twos, but actually uh, we didn't really see that much of that kind of stuff. Like they sort of passed through it fairly quickly. I would say Tia was sort of the worst in quotation marks in terms of that lasting a little bit longer. Um. God's given me this gift where I don't remember things in the past, so I I don't remember any of that. Yeah. I don't remember what whether they were good, bad, or indifferent. I think I just moved on. It, I mean, as soon as they start getting more words, it seriously, it just disappears. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, as long as you're parenting the situation. If you allow uh, temper tantrums, then I think you probably end up continuing to see them. But The trick to learn, which it took me a long time to learn, is remembering that you're the adult. Yeah. Because... I made the mistake of matching the volume. You know, so they're having a temper tantrum. Oh, you want to throw down? I will throw down. And then you're like, babe, you're dealing with a two-year-old. Yeah. You're a 40-year-old. Would right. you like a bit of perspective? And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just adding like petrol yeah. to this fire where right. I need to be kind of removing things from it. So, <laughs> well, Hillary, all the best. Congratulations on your new baby. It will be good. All right. Thank you for listening. If you need help saying no... Uh, get our boundaries teaching. It's super helpful. It's a three-part series that will teach you why you can say no, how to say no with grace and tact, and it helps you recover some of your schedule. For those of you struggling with work-life balance, a lot of the time I hear people are just saying, I'm so overwhelmed as if that's somebody else's fault. 
And so boundaries, this boundaries teaching helps you regain power of your life. If you want more information, go to alanandaj.com slash boundaries. Also for some other sort of great resources on organizing your life and that kind of stuff, um, our chief administrator, Danielle Helson, actually has a website where she she helps people. She sort of life coaches them in organizing and work-life balance. And so her website is daniellehelson.com. And you can head on over there for some resources and blog stuff and uh, to be able to contact her. She's basically a boss. She is the boss. We are working on the Finding Father videos. I know we've been talking about it. I promise they are coming. But we're trying to have good work-life balance, which is why I haven't killed myself to edit them. <laughs> if you would leave us a review, we would love you for that. Leaving a review on iTunes is one of the easiest ways for other people to hear about our podcast. And if you're checking out a podcast that you've not listened to before, what do you do? You read the reviews. So if you could leave us a review this week, we'd love you for it. alanandaj.com slash review is a shortcut link to iTunes where you would leave it. If you want to ask us a question that we can answer on air, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And if you'd like the show notes for this week, go to alanandaj.com slash 159. Remember, show notes for any episode is just alanandaj.com slash whatever the episode number is. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are available on all social media platforms. And Alan is at Alan. I am at underscore AJ Jones. I love the way you have to pause to think about your social media handle. Well, you know, I don't use it that often. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We pray you have an amazing week and we look forward to being with you this time next week. See ya. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone